0: Hello everybody! Hope y'all doing okay and not going completely nuts while having to stay at home. To those that are still out there pounding the pavement and getting things done, thank you and be safe out there. This is the Down South IT Podcast, my name is Clark, coming to you live, well from, kinda, from the Heart of Cajun country in South Louisiana where the food isn't the only hot spot around here right now, at least. Thank you all for joining me today. Before I get started, don't forget, go ahead and stop by the website, uh, the Facebook page, and the YouTube channel. Like, follow, and subscribe to any or all of them if you don't mind. Kind of helps me out a little bit and lets me know you stopped by for one. And I've recently posted a new My Two Cents episode with some really good game deals that I found on Steam. So it's going to be PC games, but If you play games on PC, or if you want to try to get into playing games on PC, you might want to check that one out. And they're all well-received, well-reviewed games. They have deep discounts on them, at least 40% off right now. So go check those out. I think they should have those discounts up for at least another week or so. So if you want to go check that out, I would advise it highly. And besides, that may help take your mind off the walls of the house for a little while too. So. And if you haven't heard that episode yet, or if you need to catch up on any of the other ones on the pod, you can find the podcast on just about any platform that you can get podcasts on, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and Podbean. So if you use one that I haven't listed, or if you can't find it somewhere, let me know and I will do my best to get it on there for you. Just shoot me an email, DownSouthIT at gmail.com. Or head over to the website, DownSouthITPodcast.com, and go to the bottom of the the homepage. There's a form at the bottom of the homepage that you can fill out and send to me, and I'll get it just the same as I would an email. So so let's jump into the topic today, and it's basically stuff as a service. And the stuff could be just about anything tech-related. You know, there are a lot of things done right now as a service in the tech industry. And to be honest, there are a lot of industries that are starting to follow suit. So when I say as a service, a lot of this will be kind of in the context of cloud computing. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind whenever we're going through some of this. And there's a couple at the end of the podcast that I'm going to talk about today that aren't. And whenever we get there, I'll let you know. But let's begin at the beginning, because hell, that's the best place to start. So Let's say a company offers something as a service, at least in the context of this podcast today, they're basically offering you or another company to use their hardware as if it was your own and you just pay for it without basically any of the downsides of actually owning that hardware. The first example I have is storage as a service and it's a lot of them, they will call it S-A-A-S. So you just basically first letter of everything. And you're probably familiar with a couple of these because you actually use storage as a service a lot more than you think you do. Because if you use Google Drive, iCloud, OneDrive, Dropbox, these all should sound very familiar to you, but all of these are storage as a service. When you use cloud storage like this, all your data's on their company's hardware and you just use it how you see fit and granted some of these are free but really they aren't free really because all the companies will track how much storage you use the times and locations that you upload data they track your habits and a few things like that whenever just so they know basically how you're using their service some of that is used to be able to use to send you target advertising so in essence it really isn't free But the use of the cloud lets you not have to worry about the data. You don't have to worry about the actual physical hardware, the cloud servers, the hard drives, the controllers, anything and everything that has to do with having your data available to you. You don't have to worry about that falls to Apple, to Google or whoever it is that you signed up with. So if a server goes down, you don't have to fix it. They do. If a hard drive fails, You don't replace it. They do. So as a customer, you get all of the benefits and you get very, very little downside. And that's the main draw to as a service services. A lot of companies have huge amounts of data that they work with and they work with constantly. So they use storage as a service. And basically they just simply pay for the space that they need. And as far as a enterprise side goes, if they're concerned with how their data is being available when they need it, you know, they just simply restructure the deal. And if they need to expand and use more data, they can, they just use it and that's it. They pay for the extra space. The hard part of it isn't even in their equation. So that's what makes as a service services so valuable. You get all of the benefits or a lot of benefits but you get very little downside and you have a lot less that you have to worry about, but not just storage as a service. A lot of companies use very large databases for customer data, for financials, reports, inventory, a ton of other reasons. So when it comes to databases, you get database as a service, which you still get a lot of the same things in the concept of storage as a service, because you technically have to store the data that's in the database. But when you work with databases and you need certain information from it, you have to query it or you have to ask the database or the tool, you have to have tools to use, to be able to get specific information back from that data. So whenever you're using database as a service, not only do they have the storage quotas, but they also have a lot of tools that they can use to be able to pull out relevant data that they need whenever they need it. For example, say you're trying to find out rush hour sales from a chain store. They have a thousand stores. You're trying to find the sales from one of them. You have to query the database to the correct store for one, you know, first off, and then you have to filter all of that by sales, by day, then by time of day. So using filters, queries, different tools like that, You can do all of that work and pull all the data that you need in seconds. But if everything was just jumbled together, it may take days to go through it all. So tools like that are essential whenever you're using databases and dealing with databases. So of course, all those tools are built into that service. Now, what about analytics? You can do analytics as a service also. Granted, a lot of companies don't do analytics themselves because doing analytics on your own takes a lot of time and it's a lot of effort. So most companies hire third party companies to do it for them and they'll track customer patterns, what people buy, what time they buy them. You know, tons of other things, tons of other things. And they do that and they'll give the company, I would assume probably every week, sometimes I'd more than likely for sure every quarter, they give the the company a report and that way the company can, the company that hired them can decide how much stock of a product to carry on hand, you know, for next year, or if they need to order more for later on this season, how many cashiers they, they should have on a certain shift because they have a lot of traffic flow on a certain day. How many returns to expect on a given day? You know, so it's it's a lot of different things. It's not just companies that sell things that use analytics like this. Websites use it all the time. Websites use it to track their users, the browsing habits, how long you stay on a site, what you looked at, what you clicked on, what you pur- purchased previously. You ever wonder why you get ads for something that you searched for on Amazon a day or two after the fact? Analytics, that's how They're using analytics to help predict patterns in the near future. Now, to be honest, I'm not sure if Walmart uses analytics because they only have like four cashiers, you know, open at one time, but I digress. So I won't get into that fight. Another one you probably know all too well, because it's become a, a pretty profitable model for a lot of companies lately, is software as a service. And if you use Office 365, if you use Adobe Creative Suite or even Google apps like Docs and Sheets and, you know, those kind of things, those are software as a service because you can consider software as a service as a program that you get to via a browser. And there's a pay as you go portion to it. So Microsoft Office, you know, 365, they have a monthly cost associated with it. So does Adobe. But Google doesn't. So Google's still considered software as a service. Just like most things with Google, they get their money from ad revenue and from targeted ads displayed while you're using their services. So technically while you don't pay for it, which they, they do have some things that you can pay for, you know, some apps, they do have some storage that you can pay for. So they do have a pay side if you do need it, but For the most part, you can use Google stuff for free. Like I said, they get all of their money from ad revenue and it still constitutes software as a service because of the fine print that Google puts in that everyone agrees to because Google loves fine print. I can promise you they love fine print almost as much as Apple, I think, but probably one of the biggest players in the whole as a service platform is Amazon. Now, most people think of Amazon as the site that you go to to buy stuff on because they have a huge website and you can buy damn near anything on Amazon. But on top of that, they also have probably the largest web service platform on the planet. And if you ever heard of AWS or Amazon Web Services, that's it. AWS has 70 different as a service services. Most things I've talked about so far are actually hosted on AWS. Google uses AWS, Microsoft uses them, Adobe, Oracle, Cisco, you name a tech company and nine times out of 10, they use AWS for something. It might not be the storage. It may not be database. It may not be, you know, something along that line, but they do use AWS at some point in their business model. I can promise you. AWS has a lot of different services. They have services for computing, for storage, for database, analytics, Internet of Things, deployment, management, networking, server virtualization. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that Amazon has on this on AWS that I couldn't even find half of the stuff that they had on there. But I really and truly couldn't do a podcast on as a service without mentioning AWS, it would almost be sacrilegious, to be honest, because they are the biggest player in the game right now. And while I'm while I'm mentioning it, computing as a service, because I didn't I didn't actually have this one set up, but I'll talk about it anyway. Computing as a service is also something that a lot of companies do, too, not only because they might not have the raw horsepower to be able to do a lot of computations and things like that, but also universities. Universities do this all the time. Say you have one university that built a supercomputer and it's able to do millions upon millions of calculations, run different models, different simulations. The university, granted, they may have precedence as far as its use, but if they have times where they're not going to be using it, they will sell the time on that supercomputer to other universities, to other professors, to, you know, even to other companies to be able to use that hardware, to be able to do other research, to do other simulations, different things. It's definitely a means of a university being able to recoup a little bit of the expense of actually building such a powerful machine. Whenever you, build a supercomputer, you want it to be the best one that has been built yet. And whenever you get to that kind of stage, it's not cheap. So by selling time on these supercomputers and different things like that, these different networks, these universities can offset some of the cost of actually building these things. So to be honest, I say go for it. (laughs) You know, not only does it help spread the cost around a little bit. But it lets other universities and stuff use equipment that they normally wouldn't have access to. So, hey, more discoveries on the corner. That's what I say. Go for it. So but jumping back into everything that I actually had written down before we started on that little tangent. Now we're going to get into a couple of as a service things that I was talking about earlier that aren't necessarily computer based. And these two are actually going to be have to do more with travel than they have to do with computers. Now, the first one I'm going to talk about is called transportation as a service. For the last couple of years, Google and Tesla both have been working on self-driving cars. That's kind of been in the news. You know, we know they've been dealing with that kind of thing, and they've been kind of successful, you know, up to this point, I would say. But the ultimate goal basically for both companies is to have autonomous vehicles out and about to be used as transportation as a service. The idea is that they're going to have fleets of completely autonomous cars within a city and it's mostly going to be within, you know, city limits and that kind of thing, bigger cities. Uh I don't think you'll see these kind of out in the suburbs or, you know, out in rural areas. Basically they'll have a lot of cars within a city that you'd be able to call through an app just like you would with Uber or Lyft or a taxi, but in this case there wouldn't be a driver. You would be the, literally the only one in the car. So like I said, it's just like driving a tech, calling for a taxi, but not having to deal with the driver. And the other thing that was mentioned, you know, as far as these two was using the vehicles for delivery. So instead of like, say UPS or FedEx, Amazon, or if you get food from a restaurant, like off of Grubhub or something like that, food apps, basically you would do it. You would do your order and then they would put that delivery in one of the autonomous cars. That car would come to your house and park in the driveway. You just walk out, grab your stuff, close the door, car drives off to the next stop. So it definitely is an interesting concept, but I do believe that it's probably going to be a few years off. I don't think these kind of vehicles will really start getting off the ground until there's major 5G cell phone presence in a particular city just because of latency and, you know, a lot of the data that's required to actually have these things run efficiently. But on top of that, probably the biggest hurdle is going to be getting people used to getting into a car with no one controlling it. You know, I, I don't know if you're hesitant to jump into a car with no driver, but I think at first until these things are proven, That will probably be the biggest hurdle is actually getting people to actually want to get in these things and let nobody drive them. So that'll be kind of interesting. The other one is going to be, like I said, it's part of transportation, but it's taking a little bit different of an approach to it. What it is, is Nissan is actually doing a pilot program right now for cars as a service. Right now it's restricted to just a small area of Houston. Like it's like 20 square miles or something like that, that you have to be in to be able to do this program. But basically this is how it works. If you're a licensed driver and you can afford the payments for the program, and I think they do a credit check too, I'm not hundred percent sure. But if you can do that and pay for it, and the average for this program is around $600 a month. You can sign up and once you're approved, you can basically just go straight to a dealership and pick out the vehicle you want, and you take it home. You don't have any kind of maintenance costs on that vehicle. Everything's included, even the insurance. And say you wanted to trade out that vehicle for another one. You know, say you had a a bigger truck and you wanted a smaller one. Go to the dealership, change it out. If you had a car, but you needed a van for some reason, you go to the dealership, change it out. No problem. Now, if you wanted to stop using the program, you can. You cancel it at any point. If you only want to use it for a month, you can do that too. You know, say in the event you only have one car, but you got two kids and both kids are going to have all kinds of crazy stuff going on for the summer, and you know you can't do it with only one car. Rather than renting a car, you can do this and then just trade out, you know, the vehicle if you want. You can only do it for a month. You can. Do it how you see fit. You know, it it's almost kind of like YouTube TV and Sling and all of these cable programs. You know, that you'd be able to do IPTV. You can get them for a month, try them, and then cancel them. It's kind of in that same vein. You know, things like that. It's going to be very doable with a program like this. Now they did have a couple of things that I saw that were restrictions on this. One of them was mileage. So you can only put so many, uh, so many miles on a particular vehicle per week. So they didn't want too many miles being put on the same vehicle for, you know, extended periods. The other one was time. Like if you stayed with a certain car or truck, you know, say you had, say you had an Altima, you know, you liked it, you want to keep it. They don't want you keeping it for more than five to six weeks at a time, just so you don't put so many miles on, you know, that certain vehicle. So after that amount of time, they would tell you, okay, well, you need to come in. You can swap it ex- for one exactly like it. You just got to come and swap it. So you're not having too many miles on that one vehicle. Now, if you did want to get a high-end car, like say you wanted to get a GTR, or a Skyline or a 370Z or something like that, you could get them, but you had to request it beforehand. And You can only keep it for, I think, three or four days. And then you had to trade it back in because a lot they know demand for stuff like that is going to be high under a program like this. And for that, they really don't want you to put a whole lot of miles on a very high end vehicle either. So something like that, like I say, it can be done, but there's just a little bit of a process for it. So And to be honest, I really like the concept of this, especially with maintenance and insurance costs being part of the overall price really the only downsides that I could come across are the cost because the program is expensive. And when you bundle all those services together, you know, everything, it's still pricey. It'll still cost you roughly the same as a car note for, you know, a 35 or $40,000 vehicle. So not everybody is able to afford that. Now, granted that's the average. So there are a couple of different tiers. So it could be a little less, a little more, but I'm just going with the average here. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But like I said, not everybody's going to be able to afford that. And second is going to be equity in the credit. Whenever you make large purchases, like, like a house or a car or anything like that, you gain the credit and the equity as you pay those things off, which helps you out in the long run, you know, as far as credit and, you know, being able to sell it and different things of that nature. So, With this, the dealership owns the car and they basically just allow you to use it. Now, granted, there's nothing wrong with that, but in the end, they can change the program at some point and tell you when and where you can drive the car, you know, and I don't like that. Uh, The lack of being able to do what I want, when I want, because the car is mine. You know, I guess that kind of rubs me the wrong way, I guess, especially, you know, right now in times like we're in with everything being so fluid and restricting things left and right, you know, being personally responsible is always better than having things dictated by edict, you know? So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I can definitely see something like transportation as a service or cars as a service being something viable later on. You know, if they can get the cost down for the cars and make sure that the self-driving ones really work well before they're deployed, these really could be game changers, you know, in the next few years. I really and truly think so. And I believe that wraps up this episode in a nice little bow. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget, check out the website, DownSouthITPodcast.com. If you want to check out any of the links from this episode, they will be up on the show prep. You can check that the link for that is right underneath the embedded player on the homepage. Just scroll down a little bit. It's right there. You can't miss it. Don't forget, check out the Facebook page at South IT. You can always find me on there. I'm always posting stuff and probably that's the easiest way to know when things are coming out, when things happen, because that's usually the first thing I do is post it on Facebook. So if you haven't followed that page yet, Check it out. Go ahead and give it a like and a follow. That way you can be up to date on everything that has to do with the podcast. You can also check out the YouTube channel. I'll be posting a couple of clips on there uh, in the not too near future because I have a complete computer build coming, and that's going to be kind of fun because it's actually going to be a sleeper build. So stay tuned for that. That'll be coming in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, as soon as I can get some parts together, but. I digress. As I like to end every podcast episode, technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. You guys are the best. I love you. Y'all stay safe out there amongst all of this craziness. I'll see you next time right here on the Down South IT Podcast. Later.